Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for May 12, 2019. Koyo here, so very, very glad you joined us. Well, it's Mother's Day. So I looked up uh, an article in my father's book, Everyday Suchness, and there is an article called The Greatest Gift to Mother. And it starts out, okay, today's Mother's Day. And I'm just going to, you know, paraphrase it and uh, share with you his thoughts. And he says, this day is specially set aside to pay tribute to our mothers, even though we should not forget them on any day. It is needless to describe the greatness of motherhood and the untold debt of gratitude we owe our mothers. Even when we try to do so, our words seem weak and insufficient, though our effort is endless. It is said in one of the sutras, though the love of kind father and merciful mother, men and women are so peaceful and happy. The love of father is higher than the mountains, and mother's love is deeper than the ocean. Then in another sutra it says, Should there be no Buddha to serve, to serve well your parents is to serve Buddha well. So, he continues to say, indeed, we have to try to realize the vastness of our debt to our parents. Too often we take things for granted. Though we do owe so much to our parents, too often we just treat it as a matter of course. More than that, we complain. Some people make their parents suffer. Ren Yoshonin, a great Shin Buddhist leader, once said, when we become habituated, we do things with our feet, whereas we should do them reverently with our hands. We should be watchful. We should always do our best for our mothers. But what is our best? I believe that our best is to see to it that mother has no cause to worry 
and that her expectations about us are fulfilled. Confucius said we received our bodies from our parents, so take care of the body. Do not harm it. Okay? And the beginning of filial piety is to become independent and pursue one's life work and to leave one's name to posterity. That's the kind of piety. Now, whether our mothers are living or dead, to give them no cause for worry is the greatest thing. But we do let our mothers worry. Every mother brings up her child with tender care and the thoughts that the child will be, you know, a good person and be very worthy, play a worthy role in society. Every one of us should remember the mother's loving care and hopes and fulfill her expectations. Mother, mothers are always thinking of us, worrying about us. The story of Johnny's mother is a true story. As one of the examples, Mrs. Yamada always stood on the dark, cold porch of her farmhouse in Central California when her son drove away in his vegetable truck. She stood there until the truck lights disappeared on the distant highway. It was seldom that she went back to bed after Johnny went to the market with the produce. As usual, one morning at 3 o'clock, Johnny and his mother ate breakfast together, and he drove away in the truck. His mother saw him off from the back porch as usual. Soon after he left, Johnny discovered that he had forgotten an important paper. He parked his truck and cut across the, the ranch on foot. As he approached the house, he noticed a dark figure in the corner of the porch near the window. He stopped and watched for a few minutes, but it, it did, nothing moved. He gathered courage and approached the porch and said, Who's there? Then came a reply, Oh, is that you, Johnny? And Johnny came to his mother. She took his hand, and there was silence. After wiping away her tears, the mother softly said, Johnny, this is not the first time for me to be standing here. Every morning I stand here long after your truck lights disappear, hoping that you will be safe and you will not be tempted by gamblers and drunkards and uh, of drunken, drinking friends. Of course, I always trust you and have confidence in you, but I worry because there are many temptations and it's easy to go down the wrong road. And the mother was aware that lately Johnny had been drinking and gambling. And after this incident, Johnny became a different person, and he stayed away from drinking and gambling companions. When he knows that his mother was worrying so much about him. Some of us are fortunate to have our mothers still living, and some are unfortunate to have lost their mothers. But whether living or not, we honor them just the same. On Mother's Day, those of us whose mothers have passed on recall tender, tender memories of her and try to live the kind of life she taught us. And those of us whose mothers are still with us, take them out for breakfast, give them gifts, and try our best to make them happy. However, among all the gifts 
comfort and assurance and fulfillment of mother's expectations are the greatest gifts we can offer her. That's the end of the article. And uh, my father did always talk about uh, the specialness of Mother's Day, you know. And rereading his article like that, I could just sort of see him, uh, his sincere expressions about that. So that's my beginning remarks today. I'm going to move on to our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse who's here live with us on Live Dharma Sunday, Levi Shinyo Sensei, and he's from Pennsylvania, and he was part of our LM9 group. Levi Shinyo, you're on. Okay, thank you very much, Koyo Sensei. So I've been thinking around and trying to write down a Dharma glimpse, and I think I found one. Uh, So for a while now, I've been dealing with some issues with my vision. It seems to be most likely something more on the neurological side since I've got some clean bills of health from the eye doctor. Now, luckily, from whatever test I've done, it seems that it is more so just an annoyance than a real health issue. But it mostly consists of uh, when I look into bright lights or especially the sunlight and uh, going outside and bright sky, I see these fast-moving little squiggles. Uh, moving around in patterns in my field of vision. And uh, I don't mean floaters. Uh, I've got those too, but these things I'm talking about are smaller. They're kind of translucent, very fast and very annoying. I think uh, from what I've found and looked up, I think uh, atomic blue light phenomena is something they call it, but whatever I have is a little bit more uh, common or a little bit more. It happens to me more commonly than the average person. But no, this has really upset me. You know, I, I used to love looking up into you know, that bright blue sky and the clouds. And, but now, recently, it gives me a lot of anxiety and discomfort. And any other light surfaces, I kind of try to have, have been trying to avoid because all I would see when I look at them are these moving little uh, things in my vision. And it, it, it's highly upsetting. But uh, you know, after a while, after dealing with this, you know, avoiding trying to go out, you know, putting on sunglasses and all this kind of stuff, I, I had a thought. And I said, you know, this may never go away. And, you know, chances are if it doesn't, I'll get used to it. So I've got to try to start getting used to it and try to start choosing to see what's best for me. If I look up into the sky, you know, I can choose to be ready to see these things and to look for them and constantly be, you know, caught up in this vicious cycle of looking and not being able to stop seeing them, but instead choosing to look up and see the sky for the sky, to see the beautiful clouds and birds and just that vast open expanse of the sky itself. Sure, those moving bits are still there, but I choose to accept them and allow them to be there and then to move on and focus on what I need to be seeing when I choose to be seeing the sky itself. Because all that time looking up into that bright light. I was always expecting to see these things, and I was always ignoring all the goodness and beauty that I had originally meant to be looking for. And I realized, you know, this can be a teaching too. Just like these things in my vision were constantly bombarded by all this dissatisfaction and all this suffering in our lives and in the world. And if we let it, we can let it completely blind us from all the good and beauty that we have 
all the things we can be grateful for. We begin to become jaded. We begin not to want to go into the light or see these things at all, but to stay where we're comfortable and ignore it. But of course, these things lead to apathy, to depression, even more anxiety when life forces us to confront them. So sometimes, even when things are not great, it's important for our mental and spiritual well-being to choose to see the good in things and people and to see the opportunity for improvement for good when things are difficult. But of course, it's not simply to ignore the bad things in the world, but to accept them, but not be controlled by them. And I think that's kind of the Buddhist way of vision, too. So those have been my thoughts for the, for a little bit and something I've been meditating on. Thank you for your time and having me on, Takoyo-sensei. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. I think, you know, one of the things that uh, our lay program, lay minister program, uh, tries to teach is about uh, teachings in everyday life. And indeed, you know, uh, uh, a person's individual life it's all kind of different, unique to different people, and learning how to look at those kind of things. The, the opportunities for the Dharma are always there because it's right in our life. And I think this is such a good example. And uh, sometimes we, I used to say, you know, no matter what happens, but usually when it's something on the negative side, whether somebody gets sick or whether... You know, I say, oh, the flu, the flu Buddha visited you. Or, oh, the vision problem Buddha visited you. And the person would, you know, when you say it that way, you say, oh, yeah, I guess I, he, I, he is giving me a teaching. Uh, look, changing the perspective like that. And I think we could see that, you know, in today's Dharma glimpse and, uh, instead of, well, because you go through a phase or some people, maybe they, they'll complain all the time and never break, make that breakthrough, okay, for uh, accept it. How do, you, how do you accept something that you don't particularly care for, you know? Uh, there's good and bad in anything that, in any glance, in any situation, uh, turn and look for the good things. Put your focus, your attention, your awareness okay, on all the things, everything. Okay? Now, that kind of what we might call, some people have called radical acceptance. That's an interesting term. Okay? Because usually you don't want to accept something that you don't want to embrace or bring into your life or so forth, right? And I thought about a nice phrase that somebody told me about. I don't know where she got it, but she said she would, she really liked this teaching. And it's about non-attachment, about letting go. And she heard the phrase, the quote, let go or be dragged. <laughs> That's such a great visual thing, an image of sort of like a person that's 
water skiing and then you know if you fall over you have to let go of the rope and thing or you're going to be dragged in the water behind the boat okay and and everybody it's common sense you're going to let go okay when you fall over but say oh let go or be dragged but how can you apply that kind of analogy to mental things uh, uh, what a great teaching, you know. There was another person that said, uh, she said, oh, my daughter, you know, adult daughter, she's always telling me, Mom, let go and grow. Um, and this is such a central teaching in Buddhism, okay, regarding uh, attachment, non-attachment, and all the ramifications of that. Huh? We victimize ourselves. Uh, X is not the problem. How we handle X is the problem. I, I, I love that phrase too. I don't remember where I read it or heard it, but, you know, it really, because when you say X is the problem, then it, it connotes a, feeling of powerlessness, helplessness, hopelessness. So, ah, this happened to me and I can't do anything about it. Okay. Whereas just the words of, of this, just the verbal, the words that can change your perspective, mental perspective. Well, wait a minute. Since I said X is not the problem, how I deal with X is problem. And when you say that phrase, how I deal with it, is the problem. Well, how am I dealing with it? How can I deal with it? Now you have empowered yourself. You say, well, let's see, what can can I do about it? Uh, Those were some of my thoughts, and uh, I think to find our own personal, well, you could say mantra, although mantra, sometimes people take it as a kind of like a prayer or, uh, you know, Asking for something. Um, I think Buddhist mantras are uh, some kind of a personal phrase uh, or it could be a traditional phrase that changes your your attitude, your perspective, your awareness, your focus. And um, it behooves us to, when we have unique personal situations, to, to get a personal mantra. It doesn't have to be a traditional one that, you know, a particular approach. Uh, stresses, you know, that's, that's all fine. That's good. But sometimes it's too general. Okay. And, uh, to have a mantra is it's, it's handy. It's like a, you know, you have an experience and your experience and your teaching is like a big, big, uh, piece of luggage, but it, if it doesn't have a handle, you know, it's hard to <laughs> deal with this, uh, trunk. Okay. But if it has a handle like a suitcase, you can just grab the handle and the rest comes with it. And the handle could be a personal mantra. Say, hey, you know, uh, be creative, be witty, be, make, it a, make it a humorous one for yourself. Okay. If someone says something funny, and sometimes it might not be funny to you, but if you make it funny for yourself, that's really, you know, something that that uh is really relevant to you so 
Hey, hey, that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.